Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Liz. This is Joe's Table, where we talk about role-playing, game design, hobbies, project planning, world-building, and all things creativity. So today we're going to talk about doing role-playing games one-on-one. Um, so this would be a game where you have one player and one GM. This is something we do for a number of different reasons. Um, one of those was for a while we moved away from a number of the people that we like to role play with. And this was before things like Roll20 um, and other online ways to do that. Um, you know, So we were multiple states away from all of our friends that we wanted to role play with. And we struggled to find a group in our area that we would want to uh, role play with because you know, see some of our previous episodes, but we're more narrative as gamers. And a lot of the role playing groups we were seeing and finding were very much more interested in strategic or gamist sorts of role playing. So we knew that we just wouldn't have a good fit with those groups. Um, One of the other big reasons we got into one on one role playing is we really wanted to tell um, very specialized, intimate stories that you just can't do with a bigger group. So something that's incredibly tailored to the other person and what the other person is looking for in a story. Okay, so I think first off, we're going to talk about some advantages and disadvantages. um, And then we can talk about the specifics of uh, implementing one-on-one role-playing in individual systems, and kind of how that has worked for us. um, And also how, how, how to actually accomplish it. We'll leave kind of the specifics for later and talk more about the over, mm-hmm. the overarching stuff to begin with, I think. So as I said, one of the big advantages of doing a one-on-one role-playing game is really that you can customize your story to what the other person right. wants. So rather than having to work in multiple different players um, and all of their characters' backstories which we totally think that you should be doing if you're running in a group, but this allows you to really customize something though. So if you've got a story, especially something that maybe the rest of the group that you normally role play with isn't very interested in, but you've got one person who's very interested in doing, you know, say a art nouveau Japanese adventure. Um, something that just, sounds rad. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really cool. Like I totally run that. Um, but that way you can do something just for that one person. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of the time there's kind of a group mindset that sets in with a uh, with a large group of, of role players that isn't necessarily... It's kind of like... I guess it's almost like a um, design by committee kind of effect mm-hmm. where it's like everybody has to kind of compromise a little bit on what they want out of the thing in order to get everybody on board with it if that makes a, a certain amount of sense um yeah because because kind of like it's the 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 typical D fantasy land seems like it's kind of the de facto standard and mm-hmm. kind of everybody can kind of agree on that but if if like only one person say wants to play um like a science fiction setting then it's it's easier to just do that one-on-one if that's the only person who's interested in it uh, another another convenient advantage of one-on-one role-playing is that you can be more intimate and specific about the stories that you want to tell. Like, not, not just that you can tailor the game to them, but, like, tailor the story itself and say, like, I, I want this story to be... I want this story to feel more like an anime or, like, a, a fantasy novel where there is a main character, right? Mm-hmm. And that main character's background and their 
their story is the story of the game as opposed to like in a lot of tabletop role-playing games and I, tr- I try to fight this as much as i can i try to make my games as much about the players them as, as i as i possibly can even when it's a bunch of a bunch of characters but it's really hard to make everybody the main character when you've got four or six or whatever players playing the game yeah, and this really allows you to tailor that story specifically to that main character and potentially for that player, some different things that they want to explore. You know, maybe it's a character design that they really want to explore and dig into and say, you know, what would it be like to be the chosen one? Yeah. Um, you know, or... Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, and you can really have some very interesting compelling tearjerker stories that you couldn't do with a group as easily because you'd have to try to balance, you know, four or five people and their characters and their backstories and all of that stuff and their investment. Like this way you can really make it specifically what's going to work for that one person and what's going to get that one person's character through this, you know, arc that you both want to tell. It's kind of like writing a book. Yeah. for that person but just right. as you go you're, you're sort of co-writing it yeah. right because you're saying like i'm i'm going to produce some kind of content for this character to struggle in and then mm-hmm. they're pro- providing like how that character accomplishes the stuff that that they feel that they need yeah. to accomplish in which direction that they want to go yep. which is like i don't know it's really satisfying i think mm-hmm. as as a as a gm and as a role player um it can be in my opinion, it can be more satisfying than a lot of um, group games because you do feel like you're the the one in charge. You feel like you're the main character and you get to have that kind of um, escapist, like hero fantasy almost, mm-hmm. right? Or, or whatever the, the character's story is, you get to participate directly in yeah. that and that's really cool. So another, another advantage that we think that um, one-on-one role-playing has is that you can tell um, more interesting stories with with that archetype and i don't mean that like you can't tell interesting stories with you know a group what what i think i mean is that you you're you're more open to different story structures mm-hmm. when you're when you're dealing with a one-on-one kind of um kind of role-playing situation you can do things that you just that aren't really available to you in in group play because you need to like keep everybody together and you need to keep the game organized around those people and frequently there are like meta considerations for how those characters need to be handled and put together in the Mm -hmm. scene and or just in the in the game generally it becomes a thing where you have to intentionally keep the the party together even if there are characters who disagree with each other um and frequently it's like well we're a group we're some kind of specific group thing some Mm -hmm. kind of group entity or like a team and so it becomes a story about like it necessarily becomes like a story about how the team does team things as opposed to like any of the different kinds of stories Mm -hmm. you can tell about a single character you know you can do like a man versus nature thing you could totally like do a single ranger mm-hmm. surviving out in the wilds which is just not a thing that you would be able to do in a normal D game with with four people or whatever um, but you could also do things like a very deep psychological horror kind of thing that mm-hmm. would just not work very well with a group of four people um i mean there's t- there's tons of examples i just i think those are the only two that i can think of <laughs> like just off the cuff yeah 
you mentioned the chosen one kind of effect too. That mm-hmm. that you can do that in a group of four people, but you really need some good buy-in from everybody to to make that work because it's very easily going to be like the Joe show or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and you, then everybody else's side characters and or that's not you've that got fun. four you've got the chosen four instead of the right. chosen one and that just gets awkward. So one of the other big advantages of one-on-one role-playing is less chaos. Yeah. With parties, it can be pretty easy. Everybody has different ideas. Everybody has different, um, you know, things that they want to do, backstories, you know, characters, things like that. So you can very easily get into, you know, chaos. Plus, when you get a group of creative people together, you're going to have some very creative and crazy solutions to stuff, or you're just going to wander off. Um, I think it's a little easier with one-on-one role-playing to keep on story. Right. Because you've got one, you know, person dictating the story, basically. Right. You've got your one player who's their, it's their path through. So you won't have anybody who's really getting lost. Right. Um, well, and I think that's also like, n- not not necessarily that people will get lost in a normal D&D game, but that it's a, it's a series of it's like a constant series of compromises, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like, yeah. oh, well, the fighter character says we should beat the shit out of these guys. And the rogue character is like, dude, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Like I'm chaotic neutral. I'm on, I, I agree with these guys or whatever. Uh, and then the cleric's like, they're all damned and they should be set to the flame or whatever. Like mm-hmm. then you, then they have to like, then you have that entire group has to spend every single social encounter trying to figure out like who feels what about which option and what are we going to do about it right like there's not that 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 fundamentally feels like a different kind of storytelling than the storytelling mm-hmm. that you would be used to in like a an anime about several characters or like a uh fiction novel about several characters mm-hmm. or like a tv show or whatever where where the the things that those characters feel might not overlap and they might disagree about stuff but it's like it doesn't <laughs> damage the overall structure of the story kind of thing yeah with with lots of with lots of player characters who are devoted to how their character feels it becomes very complicated very quickly and so that that can kind of it's since it's a compromise like some some people are going to enjoy parts of that and Mm -hmm. then other people are going to not enjoy parts of that yeah and the risk is you know sometimes you'll get players who just kind of zone out because what they want to do is not what the rest of the group wants to do so they're not represented or the converse of that Mm -hmm. sometimes the gm will like will do a side quest specifically for one character and then everybody else is just kind of tagging along i've had that happen yeah a fair amount where it's just kind of oh well i guess we're gonna go do that guy's thing now Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then everybody else is just sort of an appendix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with one-on-one role-playing, you there's no appendixes. Like, what right. your side quest is is what the main quest right. is with the story, which is really nice. Right. Yeah. I, w- I would also kind of add as an addendum to the less chaos thing is that there's... I, I struggle with this a bit because I like to tell dramatic stories that mm-hmm. have like weight and meaning. Yeah. Um, and I like to do that. And I like to have those kind of stories when I'm as a player. Right. Um, and I feel like that can also be kind of that, that, that drama is undermined by the chaos of mm-hmm. multiple characters trying to figure out multiple yeah. different things at the same time. So like, <clears throat> you know, imagine you're, I'm going to take an example from like one of the uh, a, a unrecent game mm-hmm. that I that I played in. Um, one of the like a paladin's brother turned out to be like the main villain, 
uh, and he was having this big moment, right? Like everybody was, we, we had gotten ready for this big mm-hmm. ultimate fight with the, with the villain. And it was like, oh my God, that's that guy's brother. And like, they had this, they had like a, um, like a counter monologue thing. They were like trying to talk each other down and it was great. And then like one character was just kind of like over in the corner, like dicking around meaninglessly. And it was like, you are totally ruining the moment here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I get that you're bored and I get that your character might be bored, but like <laughs> we, we're having a moment, <laughs> read, you know? read the room, read the room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that kind of thing happens a lot. I mean, it can happen much more easily in group role playing mm-hmm. than it can in one-on-one role playing. Like yeah. it's, it's much easier to stay on track and kind of read the room when there's only one other person that you have to communicate with yeah and that's not to say that there won't be chaos right um you know if your player wants chaos you can have as much chaos as you want or sometimes you'll unintentionally have chaos just crop up because of like a series of really bad dice rolls or something like that. or really poor decisions yep yep or bears or bears and sometimes there's just bears yeah um yeah uh the next thing that i think that that one-on-one role-playing has as an advantage is that it's much easier to get buy-in. Mm-hmm. Um, this is sort of similar to the 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 fundamental problem of of more of less chaos or more chaos with a group, but it's much easier to get the buy-in of like one person mm-hmm. than it is to get the buy-in of like four or five or six people, um, because those six people are just fundamentally going to have different ideas. And so, and since they have to play different characters, it's really hard to kind of keep everybody on the same page and say like, okay, well now I have to construct a story around the wizard, the cleric, the paladin, and the rogue, and we have to keep them all on a team and Mm -hmm. make them want to do the same thing. Um, Now, like from the like gamist, like traditional D&D standpoint, like the the thing that you that you would say like all those characters want to do is go fight monsters and get treasure right like it's very like no yeah we're totally here to play the adventure kind mm-hmm. of thing um but that's very that's that's quite different from a narrativist point of view where you want to be talking about what these characters story is right like those the, the story of each of those characters could be quite different yeah just because of their the the presumptions of their classes mm-hmm. right and I think the other thing that really helps with buy-in on a one-on-one role-playing game, or at least the ones that we've done, is a lot of the ones we've done have come from an idea that we've had of, you know, hey, right. wouldn't it be cool to play right. this sort of a game in this sort of a world to do, you know, this type of a story? And so I think it's much easier as a player to have buy-in into it because that's the story you want to right to be part of. And that's the story you really want to be invested in. So you're just automatically really you know, bought into that and there's no waiting for somebody else's backstory stuff and waiting for somebody else's side quest. Like it's all you, you can be greedy. It's everything that you want. (laughs) Be the greedy little dragon and, and, and suck up all the, the Uh cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even when things go sideways for your character, it's, it's not like we've, you've lost the thread. Cause I can Mm -hmm. feel sometimes when you're playing with a lot of, especially players who like are 
really into their own characters what happens is you almost feel like you're passing around the i'm the main main character baton Mm -hmm. and so like or a crown you know like one person can wear the crown at a time and it's like if you if you screw up your thing or fail a role then sometimes it feels like you you somebody else takes the crown and now it's their story and you're like well i wanted to get my thing done oh it's not my turn anymore kind Mm -hmm. of thing Uh, okay so let's talk about the disadvantages we've we've really kind of talked it up uh talked up one-on-one role playing quite a bit here um but there are there are some disadvantages um and and i guess the first one that i can think of is that there this is not available to a lot of players who don't have this kind of a relationship available to them in their lives like with me and liz I mean, we live together, we're married, you know, Mm -hmm. we, 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 as we mentioned in previous podcasts, we can like have a discussion about a cool idea in the morning during a shower or something Mm -hmm. and then be like ready to play that thing in the evening or whatever. Um, if you, if you don't like, if you, if you don't live with that person, then it becomes Mm -hmm. more communication to, to discuss those things. But also if you just don't have a single friend that you like to role play with in that intimate of a setting, then Mm -hmm. likewise, it can be difficult to set that up. And even if you have a bunch of D and D friends, um, you, you might find that nobody really wants to be like that close, I guess, like that. It's like, I want to be, I want to hang out with the group, right? I don't want to, I'm not, I'm some people just want to play with the group as opposed to get their perfect story out. Yeah. And this can be, for a GM more work too, right. I think. So that's the other thing is like having somebody who can run the game, who's willing to put in the work to actually do that because this is a more intimate storytelling thing. So you do have to have a more in-depth world. You do have to have more content, more idea of, you know, what might right. occur. You have to plan a little bit more because you'll, you're going to get through more material Right. Um, you're not going you to can't have... rely on the the players screwing around to eat up game mm-hmm. time per yeah. session. Yeah, definitely. You you're going to be moving through stuff a whole lot faster. So that does make it a little bit more difficult to find somebody who's interested right. in running that sort of game with you um, or playing in that sort of game. The other thing about it is that it's much easier to let a game drop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very frequent that you can start one of these things. And then if both players or, you know, the GM and the player are, are losing interest in it, then it will just literally evaporate before mm-hmm. your eyes because you don't have there's there's a certain amount of like scheduling momentum. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when you say we're going to play this game for, you know, uh, on, on Sunday afternoons or whatever. Um, and like six people are coming and one person has to bring the snacks and then one person is like planning the dinner or whatever it's much harder for the entire group to just sort of give up on that because there's like social expectations going Mm -hmm. around between everybody. But when those social expectations are like between two people and neither one of them is that interested anymore, then like an off day can just basically kill the game. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's a lot easier with a group if one person, you know, has an off day or has a family obligation, you've still got, you know, four other people or three other people and you can still pull something together. Um, but when it's just two people, it's right. And one of them bails, like that's it. They game over, right? Yeah. Game over, man. Game over. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, you know, if somebody, it's also more difficult if somebody's just not feeling it anymore, right. um, to just let it kind of die out because 
you you both have to be very invested in it. You can't rely on, you know, somebody else to kind of pick up yeah. the slack on the days that you're not yeah. feeling that interested in the game. Right. You know, so you do have to have, I think, a bit more of a conversation between the GM and the player to say, you know, are we just having a bad day here where I'm not feeling it, you're not feeling it, you know, something like that? Or are we losing interest in the game? Right. You know, do we need to just cut this one right. off and wrap it up? So Because sometimes it'll turn out that after having played a few sessions that, and this is true, and this is true of like any role-playing game, sometimes it'll just turn out that you're not that interested in how the game is going, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes this, the story will take a turn or your character will take a turn. Uh, or the mechanics will take a turn, and you'll you'll be like, well, it's not, I'm I'm losing just mm-hmm. interest in the whole in that part of the thing at this point. Um, and if that happens, especially in a one on one, then it's much easier to just let that thing go. Yeah, and I say we're, I'd say we're kind of at sixty forty between the two of us. Like sixty percent of our games, um, one on one games, we get really invested in. And, you know, they're some of the best games we've ever done, some of the best stories we've ever told. And the other 40%, we just kind of don't feel them and they just evaporate. And, you know, due to various reasons, we just give up on them. Right. So, and that's okay. Yeah. I I guess I'm not, I'm not super mad about that because like we play them as much as we enjoy them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if we, if we stop enjoying them, then we don't play them. So we're not like forcing ourselves and i guess maybe that that's that that, that's the reverse side of that coin as a Mm -hmm. a, turning that disadvantage into an advantage Um, sometimes you can get stuck in a game that you Mm -hmm. are not feeling because you want to hang out with your friends and you want to play D &D with your pals um and then it's like oh well it turns out that i don't like playing in modules or Mm -hmm. it turns out that i don't like playing a wizard or whatever and we need a wizard or we're we're just going to play modules and and this this allows you to kind of cut the cut the thing loose much mm-hmm. more easily if you're not enjoying it, which is I guess a strength. It also allows you to try different things out a little easier. Absolutely, yeah. So you can you know be like uh, maybe I want to try science fiction. I've never done that before. Right. Rather than investing in you know a year's worth of role playing right. with a group or feeling like you're going to let the group down if you don't like it eventually, right. like you can just do something really quick for a couple of weeks and say do i like this do i want to do more of this or is this just not the right right thing so yeah and i kind of i would say also that you should probably think about that when you're setting up games with groups too Mm -hmm. um consider that if it's something somewhat outlandish and and people are kind of like tentatively interested um or like several people are super excited and several other people like yeah i could play that then like set that up do that in your session zero Mm -hmm. and say like look this maybe we're only going to play this for like uh, a month or two months or something and then we'll Mm -hmm. see we'll check in again later on to see how we're how we're doing and whether we want to keep playing this Um, because just having that conversation at the beginning diffuses some of that like feeling that you have to keep the Mm -hmm. game going because you don't really have to keep the game going nobody really has to keep the game going it's it's a hobby right it's Mm -hmm. it's a thing that you could let drop so let's let's not keep ourselves tied to things that that we need not be tied to if if those things are getting on fun for everybody involved yep yeah definitely that's the golden rule after all so one of the other things that can be a disadvantage with one-on-one role playing is mechanically it can be more difficult in traditional systems most systems are geared towards having a group of players they come in with the idea that you will be having at least three to four players plus a gm 
when you're running a game. And so they're structured around that, you know, sort of a setup. So, you know, the, um, if you're talking about like fifth edition, the CR for monsters is all structured around that. So trying to figure out like the CR for one player versus monsters gets very difficult. Right. Um, it makes everything really swingy and there's a lot of other systems that have that same problem where, right. you know, one player will just kind of wreck all of the balancing that's been done in the game right. to try to make it work out right. And that exactly. can be very difficult. Yeah, because a lot of these, what we call traditional games, games that inherit their structure and play style from D&D, uh, especially in the early days, those those kind of games are fundamentally designed for party play. They're designed so that your character has gaps. We've talked about that in the past in, in previous podcasts, especially in the D&D podcasts. Um, the, a lot of these traditional games are designed so that your character is a part of a team um, and, and is fundamentally not capable of handling all the situations at all times and that you need other people there to help mm-hmm. you out. Um, they're like conversely, you could totally play a game of like fate or possibly um, uh, apocalypse world or dungeon world or something like that by yourself those those might be better systems for that sort of thing um and that's just that's not really i would hesitate to call that a problem with those systems because they're they're just designed to do the thing that they are designed to do right like we're not again we're not ragging on D. we're just saying like it's this is how it's supposed to work this is what they designed it for yeah um so yeah and you can pull that off in D. there are certain um character builds that you can do you want to make sure you've got somebody who's much more of an all-around who might have access to some healing who might have access to some magic or you know sword fighting you know skills and stuff like that it is possible it's just a lot more difficult in something like D&D especially at the starting levels it's probably Mm -hmm. a lot easier towards the middle and higher levels when you just have more resources to throw around but the very early level since since few people start at a higher level at early levels you you just practically can't even find monsters low enough in cr to uh-huh. not kill a single character on in one-on-one combat like yeah. let alone having a first level character fight a couple of orcs at a time um so it gets really weird because then you're like talking about a character who's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to struggle and become a hero. And you're like, oh, you managed to kill one rat. Good job. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Or you have to do what we did with one of our games where we had, um, you know, I had one main character that I was playing. But then in combat, I was actually running like three or four characters right. at the same time, um, which was a lot to balance. Right. Um, and you did it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you were you were able to keep a lot of those characters pretty straight, and 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 were able to ma- actually make use of a lot of their different powers and stuff. Uh, so so kudos to you, but it is like a lot of extra work. Yeah, I learned a ton from that. Actually, right. I think you know, well, we kind of lost interest in the story, and it was really starting to get to be a lot of work when we got higher up in level. I think it actually really helped me learn a lot about different classes that I right. wouldn't normally play. So, you know, positive effect there, yeah. but boy, was that a lot of work to do that for all, you know, four or five different characters during combat and to be like, okay, yeah. so what does the rogue do? What what can the warlock do? Yep. You know, what does the fighter do? And like, how do I use, utilize that all at the same time? Like, you don't get that downtime right. in between. Right. 
you don't you never get as the player you you very at that point you only get to rest and try to plan things out when the gm is taking their mm-hmm. turn um which like i i know that me as a player i like to sit there and once i'm done with my turn i'm already planning the next turn mm-hmm. um planning my actions for the next the next go around because now i'm like paying attention to who's doing what what's the status of the bad guys like what who has put any temporary effects in play or um you know given us advantages that i can Mm -hmm. prey upon and then by the time by the time my turn rolls around then i can just jump on that stuff and it's like when when you're one-on-one role-playing with D &D characters there's so much crunch that you basically just have to sit there and think about how things are going to work for you and this whole team for 10 minutes and work your way through that Mm -hmm. and be like okay okay, what if I have this person do this and then have this person do that and then we're going to chain this effect? So, yeah. Yeah, so there's, like, once again, we're not saying D&D is a bad system. It's just not the right system for one-on-one role-playing right. in most cases. Something like Fate or Apocalypse World uh, or Silcor or something like that would be a much better yeah. choice in those cases because they can be scaled down a lot easier than right. D&D can be. And I will say, conversely, for that that particular campaign where you were playing multiple characters, the advantage there was that I could plan the encounters normally, mm-hmm. like because you had a normal amount of characters. So the, the the bookkeeping on my end was basically the same that it would have been for any other for any other game. Um, it's just that it was a lot of extra bookkeeping on your end because you yep. needed to keep keep a lot of those characters straight in your head as to what they were capable of doing. Yep. So yeah. So with that said. I think all of our one-on-one role-playing games, all the ones that we really enjoyed, all the ones that were really long-running, none of those were in D&D. Right. Just empirically. Mm-hmm. They, the, the data say that we don't do one-on-ones in D&D very, very well. <laughs> yeah, we've made a few attempts to them, and I think the one that we were talking about where... Um, I was running multiple characters um, in combat. That was the longest-running D and D one on one game. The rest of them, we just it didn't work out. We just couldn't make it work more than a couple of sessions. Yeah, I'm thinking of Rosa. I can't remember. I mean, I honestly can't even remember a lot of the other ones because they. Um, there was the Magic School one. That one lasted for five or six sessions. That one did. Um, and there was a. Another one that we did right when 4th edition came out, I think, to try 4th edition oh, out. Right. Yeah. And all I remember is, you know, a inn and a town. Yeah. And that's about as far yeah. as we got. So um, it just didn't work out how we wanted it to. Right. And so conversely, the of the of the games that we've played one on one that we really did enjoy, at least two of the best ones were in Silcor. And we'll talk more about Silcor in a later podcast and what the system is like, because it's not a very commonly used one. Yeah, it's very rare these days. Nobody's pretty much nobody's heard of it these days. It's an it's an older system. Mm -hmm. Um, What else have we used? We have used Fate. We used Oubliette. I know we did. um, Which is based on Fate. Yeah, which is based on Fate. So we've done a couple in Oubliette. Um, Oh, that's true. Actually. Um, we had a long running Oubliette game in Oubliette first edition, which was based mm-hmm. on a totally like terrible, like homebrewed system that was not, it was not up to snuff, but mm-hmm. we, we made it work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
we made it happen, which is ironic, I guess. Yeah, I think we kind of like force of will got yeah. through that one and made it made just it work out. Just because it was a, a fascinating enough story that we were like, well, who really cares what the rules are like? Uh, yeah, we're just going to roll with this and yeah. make it work. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think honestly, most of the time it's just been Silcor. Yeah. Most of our long, long running one on ones have been Silcor. So let's talk a little bit about how to actually set up a one-on-one role-playing game and some things that you'll want to be aware of when it comes to how the whole process works. Okay. So again, um, just, just tackling this is, we're going to tackle this from, from a thousand foot view, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever system that you're dealing with. Um, if you are dealing with something with a traditional game, because a lot of people are just more comfortable in, mm-hmm. in those kind of games. If you're dealing with like a D&D style kind of game, then you will want to consider um, what direction you're going to go in order to handle the combat. Um, you can you can you can totally do multiple handling multiple characters. Um, as we as we said, generally what that looks like is uh, the GM has several NPC kind of followers for the party and then in combat the player runs those characters while the gm runs the enemies um and it's not that difficult to kind of keep everybody's personalities and stuff in play when they're you know when you're running a big combat between that many people um it's just the gm generally steps in and says like this is the way this character feels about this Mm -hmm. thing um yeah, and then out of combat, then it's up to the GM to pick up a lot of that role-playing weight and really, you know, run those characters as if you had 25 NPCs standing around. Right. Slight exaggeration. Another um, possibility in the traditional games route is uh, the Gestalt rules from 3.5, where you basically take multiple classes and, and join them together in a single character and basically make a character who's like as good as maybe 1.5 characters um they there's some certain overlaps and things and then they get like the powers of multiple classes um but they don't like get extra hit points they kind of top out at what is available to either class um and that'll get you some of the way there but really that's only kind of a patch fix for normal uh single character um encounter building Mm -hmm. because that that's really only going to make it less swingy. Not that 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 character can handle more, more villains at the same time. Yeah. So we also just recently thought of a possibility for um, traditional style games one on one that we're calling uh, chosen chosen one mode, where basically you just build four characters and call them one character. <laughs> it's it's complicated, and we haven't figured out the the ins and outs of it and like the details of it yet but the idea would basically be that your character has a pool of hit points equal to the total of all four character sheets they have um one set of stats they've got one set of skills but they have the abilities and powers and feats and stuff of all the different characters and they have four actions if you're going to use four characters so that way they're effectively you're like effectively making an entire team in one player character so the you know you could be like fireball fireball uh raise a skeleton and then sword attack right mm-hmm. um as your as your set of actions um 
and honestly, it doesn't seem that outlandish because, I mean, there are plenty of editions of D&D where you can get tons and tons of attacks or bonus actions or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it um, sort of evens out the action economy and says, like, look, you're not really fundamentally building a different kind of set of encounters for the GM. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to go up against the same kind of stuff. It's just going to work a little bit differently. Yeah, but we haven't tested this out yet, right. so we have no idea if it would actually work. Um, but theoretically, I think it's pretty solid yeah. and pretty sound that it could work out. It sounds like it would be kind of fun, especially because then you you do get that whole chosen one sensation mm-hmm. of like, my character is the hero of yeah. the story. And like, I'm going to go do some wicked, crazy, epic crap, like punch out a dragon by myself, kind of like that just sounds so badass, right? Yeah. It sounds like heroic geek demigod stuff. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it for generally speaking for when you're not dealing with traditional games and you're talking about just the general ins and outs of this thing um you can also you can you can also start thinking about what the story is between the character and the problem right you Mm -hmm. want to start thinking about what is the primary antagonist or issue in the world that the player is going to face and how how do they how are they integrated into that problem Mm -hmm. um Liz ran uh, a um, fairly short one-on-one for me where I was playing kind of a broken ace, like former commander of like a magic military unit. And uh, the, 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 it was, it was basically post-war and there was a bunch of uh, like magic uh, terrorism that was going on. And it turned out that I was like kind of a, a shoe in for like investigating this stuff. And so that, that entire, story and world even were kind of founded around the way my character Mm -hmm. was designed and the way I wanted my character to work as a person and as a, as a, uh, an entity in the game, right. Within the game rules, within the, the mechanics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one thing to really think about with a one-on-one role-playing game, when you're designing it and pulling it together is, you know, make sure that your player is very closely tied in with everything that's going on. Because that's really the advantage of it, Um, you know, is you want to make sure that they're connected um, with what's around them, connected with the story, connected with the NPCs, you know, put in old friends, put in family members, you know, put in army buddies, whatever that connection is to really pull your player into the story and make them, you know, feel like they're an intimate part of that world in a way you can't do with a lot of group games. Yeah. It would be kind of silly, like almost asinine to, to, to do one-on-one role playing. And then the, the scenario that you're playing is like a module or something Yeah, because then you're kind of spectacularly missing the point. Like you, you could totally do a module or you could try at least mm-hmm. who knows whether you'd you know be able to succeed just based on the the problems of the way the thing is built but like you're 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 missing out on the whole like this can be specifically tailored to yeah. the character both in terms of how the game works in the mechanics but also what the game content is in the story yeah and i think another thing to think about with one on one is you have a lot more flexibility when it comes to what type of things you're doing. I feel like a lot of times when I'm in a group um, role-playing 
game, there's a lot more combat. But when we're doing one-on-one, we're doing a lot less combat. And part of that's because, you know, we're narrativists. We like to tell a story. Uh, But I think part of it's because doing something one-on-one really works very well to doing investigation or politics or um, espionage. Espionage, yeah, definitely things like that that really... Investigation. Yeah that really let you kind of sink into the story a lot more. Um, So don't be afraid to have non-combat sessions um, and multiple non-combat sessions in a one-on-one game. Those can be just as interesting and just as intriguing. Right. And they often push the story forward more Mm -hmm. than any combat does because combat just takes more time. And the, the end result of combat is always we won or they won. And that doesn't really move the story forward that much, honestly. No. Unless you're, you know, being very careful and making sure that every single fight that you're planning has some kind of specific outcome, like we have to stop the the wizard from achieve, like uh, building his crystal or mm-hmm. filling it with magic or whatever, yep. um, or like capturing civilians or whatever it is. So I hope you've kind of gotten the idea that one-on-one role-playing is viable, at least, that it's it's a thing that you can totally do. It's not completely outlandish, um, and it can, it can really be advantageous and fun and exciting and very interesting in the right, in the right circumstances. You just have to make sure that you're not um, kind of shooting yourself in the foot or setting yourself up for failure, I would say. Yeah, it's a great way to tell some very interesting stories in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. Right, and sometimes it's it's especially in our case, it can be your only recourse, right, yeah. for for role playing. If if all you have is like one other friend, mm-hmm. then at least you can role play with that one other friend, right? Yep. I'm Joe, and I'm Liz. This is Joe's Table signing off. See you next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. Peace. <laughs>